Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So we're talking about the Joshua generation. And the idea behind this is that this nation of Israel, God had a plan for them. We read last week that he had prepared it before the foundation of the world. God had done everything necessary for this nation of two million people to be brought out of slavery in Egypt, to go through the wilderness and to get into this promised land that God had prepared for them. And yet many of them failed. And I want to look today at a, a slightly different aspect. We've looked at being Joshua's generation. In other words, looking to Jesus, whose name is in the, in the Hebrew, Jeshua, which is the same name as Joshua. Is Jesus our commander? Is he the lover of our soul? Do we love him and identify with him? Is he our husband in the Lord, if you like? Uh, are we following Jesus? We looked at that. We looked at the promises of God. Do we know the promises and do we have the faith to get in even if others don't believe the promises and even if circumstances are against us? Do we have that? But now I want to look today at something slightly different. There's two categories of people. If you can imagine this nation of Israel, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they're now right on the border of the promised land at the edge of the Jordan River. They're about to go in. And in two weeks' time, I'm going to talk about taking Jericho, going across the Jordan, and how they, they circled Jericho for seven days and got the, got the city and started to take the promised land. But today, we're still on, the, on this side of the Jordan River, and there's two groups of people within this crowd, this nation of Israel, there's two groups of people that I want us to look at because it was a mixed group. Not everybody was the same. Not everybody had the same faith or place in the Lord or maturity in the Lord. Everybody was different. And I want to look at these two groups of people. And I think it'll surprise you today what we're going to learn. So I'm trusting that God really helps us I, yeah, I really am expectant about today's sermon. Um, please try and find yourself in the sermon today. Find yourself in one of these two groups of people, or perhaps a third group. There's a third group in the middle of the two, but see, see if you can find yourself. So Joshua chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren, armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you. And they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua saying, All that you command us we will do. Wherever you send us we will go. So, there was this group of people, two and a half tribes. You know the 12 tribes of Israel? Two and a half of them, and this may surprise you, they had their promised land 
on the other side of the Jordan already. The tribe of Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh had defeated some kings, they had settled in some land, they had built houses, they had planted crops, their kids were going to the neighborhood nursery school, they had everything they needed, they were settled in their promised land on the other side of the Jordan. They didn't need to go through the Jordan into the promised land, but when they settled there, Moses said to them, you can settle here, but when we all go into the promised land, you fight with us, and in fact, you go in front of us. Because you are the settled ones, you are the most able to fight for us. Don't just settle in your homes, don't just be comfortable, don't just think, I've arrived, I've got my promised land, I'm happy, who cares what the rest of Israel do? No, if you're a true member of Joshua's generation, when you've come into your promised land, you will fight for others to get there too. Are you challenged by that? I'm extremely challenged by that. This is the first group of people out of this multitude, the Bible calls it a mixed multitude, that was about to go into the promised land. Some of them already had their promised land. They could have sat in front of their big flat screen TV, relaxed with a nice cold drink in their hand, and said, I'm okay. But if you're truly one of Joshua's generation, you will say, I'm going to go out into the highways and byways. I'm going to find those who haven't got into the promised land yet, and I'm going to fight on their behalf. Even though I'm free of my addictions, I'm going to find people who are still addicted. Even though my family and my marriage and my kids have been healed, I'm going to find people who are still unhealed. Even though I'm saved and the promises of God are richly coming to pass in my life, I'm going to find people who are not yet saved, who are still lost, who are still addicted and struggling and messing up their lives, and I'm going to get in the trenches, get my feet and my hands dirty, and I'm going to fight for them and with them and identify with them even though I don't have to. Are you challenged? I'm extremely challenged by this. You know, I, I've come a, an amazing road in my life. Uh, it's been a crooked road of all sorts of twists and turns, ups and downs, some real heartache. And I've come to a place through the grace of God where I'm healed and I'm supplied and God has been good to me. And I could very easily just sit and say, thank you, God, and do nothing more for the rest of my life. But if I am really one of Joshua's generation, if I'm really one of Jesus' people, the sign is that I'm willing now to go back to the places where I was saved from. Except now I go back with a different perspective. It's no longer a place of desperation and confusion and what's going to happen next. I know what's going to happen next and I lead others through the process. That's the sign of being one of Joshua's generation. And in this mixed multitude, there were some who had already received their promised land and they were there to fight just out of love and gratitude for what God had given them, they were there to fight for the others. Friends, I want us to be a church of that kind of people. I want us to be people who've come out of the world, been healed, been saved, been delivered and set free, 
been given peace from God, but we're not happy to just sit there in a holy huddle, enjoying the goosebumps of God's presence. We're going out again and finding the lost and identifying with the lost. Not in a snobbish, haughty way. Not, oh, I'm this wonderful, holy person. Let me stoop to help you. No, we're not going to be all snobby. We're saying, I was you. And because I'm so grateful, I will come and be with you again. I'll walk through those withdrawal symptoms. I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to walk this road with you to help you. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, he's talking to his disciples. He says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So Jesus is sitting there with his disciples and he says to them, peace to you. In other words, you, you, you're in your promised land. Peace to you. You've, you've been through all the hardships and the struggles. Peace to you. You've arrived. Peace. Enjoy. But then he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. How did the Father send Jesus? Jesus was comfortable in heaven. <laughs> He had everything he needed. He was in fellowship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. He had no need. There was nothing compelling him to come to earth as a baby in a dirty manger in a sinful world and be attacked and beaten and die for humanity. There was nothing to force him to do that, but he became one of us. He gave up heaven and identified with us out of pure love. And Jesus said, as the Father sent me from a place of comfort, security, no need, no lack, as the Father sent me to identify with dirty, sinful humans, disciples, peace to you, yes, but now I'm sending you in the same way. You know, after Pentecost, the disciples, after Jesus had risen again and gone back to heaven, they, they received the Holy Spirit in that upper room. Wonderful presence of God, gifts of the Holy Spirit, the tongues of fire upon them, the power of God in the room. And yet Jesus said, you will be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It's never to sit in that upper room, bathe in the presence of God, enjoy the goosebumps of God's presence. No, it's always so that I can go and reach those who haven't yet got into their promised land. Amen. So can I ask you, Lighthouse, I don't, I don't need to because I know we've already got this. We've got this heart already and I'm so grateful for it. I, I, I never ever want to be in a church which is just a holy huddle, just enjoying each other's presence and enjoying God's presence and forgetting about the lost. But can I ask us that we never lose this? Amen. We always, always remember, I'm only here by the grace of God. And I've got to go out and fight for those who are not here yet. And I've got to welcome them in. You know, I am so thrilled when a person comes into our church and they're happy to come in when they are still seeking God. They're not a Christian yet. I'm thrilled by that. If they are worshipping other gods and they come to our church, I'm thrilled by that. If they still swear like a trooper, I had somebody come to me at the front of church about six months ago and they just used about five really bad swear words in the sentence, I'm really trying to find more of God. 
it warms my heart. It shows me we're doing the right thing. We are taking, we're not sitting in our little promised land. We're bringing others with us. Amen? That's what we're supposed to be like. You know the illustration of the, the rescue mission, a lighthouse on, the, on a stormy coast where the, the shipwrecks kept happening and the, the crew of the lighthouse kept getting in their boats, going out into the danger of the stormy sea and rescuing people them and, and bringing them back into the lighthouse to be clothed and heated up and, and, and looked after again. That's a true lighthouse, but the story, which I've told many times, is that they just used to eventually just enjoy meeting in their little lighthouse. They forgot about the stormy seas. They enjoyed their cups of coffee their nice little cakes, their songs about how we love to save people in the sea. But they never went into the sea anymore. They were just a social club. Friends, let us never, please, never, ever become that. If we've lost our heart for where we used to be, we've lost everything. Amen. Is that all right? So we love to bring the lost in and we love to go out and find the lost. The second group of people, and this again may surprise you, that we're in the group. I'm just going to read a passage that I have read already several times in this series, but I'm going to read it again because it's very relevant. The last verse of this passage is 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, which is going to go up on the screen. And it, it concludes the passage by saying, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now let me read you the verses that precede that. I'm just going to start from verse 6. Now these things became our examples. He's talking about the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. He said these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and were written down for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore in scripture, you say, what's it there for? It's there for a reason. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. What's the second group of people? Friend, it's a tragic story. It's people who thought... Because they were in the company of people who were going into the promised land, they thought they were going into the promised land. Oh, Greg, you're giving us some hard words today. Why do we have to have these hard words? Friend, I do not speak about this stuff very often. Maybe once a year I talk about this, this topic. And it's very simple, but it's so important. There were people... In the crowd, the Bible talks about them as a mixed multitude. Let me just read you a verse from Numbers 11, verse 4. It says, Now the mixed multitude who were among them 
yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept and said, who will give us meat to eat? There were people in the crowd and they were numbered and named in the group. <laughs> there was brother, whatever his name is, Jotham next door, who was going into the promised land. He had Joshua, Jeshua as his captain, as his chief, as his heart uh, companion. He loved and followed Joshua. He trusted God. He believed in God. He was going into the promised land. Jotham right next to him. But then there's this guy who, because he's in the crowd, in the camp, he's living with the Israelites, he thinks, I'm going in. But his heart is not right with God. And he didn't make it. And in this passage in 1 Corinthians 10, it lists some of the examples of the symptoms of whether or not you're in that crowd. Who you're, you may be in church. You may have been in church since the day you were born. You may put Christian on a form when you tick a form and say, what religion are you? You may say Christian. You may have family members who are Christians. You may sing worship songs. You may come to church. Everyone may think that you're one of the crowd, but it's possible for us. He says, if you think you stand, take heed. You may not be getting in, and you say, what are the symptoms? And I need to clarify this a little bit. Because what I'm about to say is that there are signs that we can look at to say, am I in or out? But that's not the way we get in or out. They're just a symptom of, of whether we're in or out. And it's quite, it can be quite confusing to some people. I, I really am trusting and praying that the, the Lord gives me the right words here. Because I don't want to confuse you. Let me give you an example. Imagine the church was a hospital and Jesus is the doctor. And when you come into the hospital, you form a relationship with this doctor. He asks you about your life and he tells you about himself and you form a loving bond and a relationship and then he gives you medicine and he heals you over a period of time. That is, that is a picture of the church, of the people of Israel who were going into the promised land of Christianity. That's a picture. The thing that heals you is the fact that you've spoken and formed a relationship with Jesus the doctor and you've started receiving his medicine. That's what heals you. Being in the hospital does not heal you. It's possible for people, many, many thousands, to be in the hospital, but they've never met and formed that bond of trust with the doctor and started taking his medicine. But they're in the hospital, and so they think, I'm saved. The sign that I can look at to say, am I really one of the ones who's, who's getting saved, is this. Is your disease getting better? <laughs> That's it. You see, we don't get saved by doing good works or by being good or attending church. We get saved by having a relationship with Jeshua, Joshua, our captain, our chief. That's how we get saved. By faith in him, by loving him, by knowing him, we get saved. But the sign that I'm in relationship with him is my disease gets better. You say, what is the disease? It's called sin. <laughs> you see, 
If a person is in the hospital, and they may have been in the hospital for many years, they've got their own little room, they've got ward C, room bed 5A, whatever it is, and they get all the food from the hospital, and they, they're just a feature of the hospital. They, they, everybody knows them. They think, I'm getting there, but they don't know the doctor, and they don't take the medicine every day. The sign is that they're still as sick today as they were the day they arrived. And the Bible gives us a list of a, a checklist. It says, the Bible doesn't say you get saved by being good, but it says, if you have been saved, if you've taken the medicine, these diseases will be improving in your life. And in this passage, it talks about idolaters, sexually immor immoral, and complainers. So you go to the, the hospital reception and you say, listen, this, this weird guy Greg just gave this talk and he said, I've been in Lighthouse Hospital for five years, but I may not be a real Christian. Please, receptionist, give me a checklist so that I can check, am I a real Christian? The receptionist says, my dear Joe, we love you. We hope you say. We can't really tell. We know you went up at one meeting and you put your hand up and we know you sing the songs and we know you're part of this life group and you do all these activities and we know that you put Facebook posts about God. But there's one checklist that you can use to check if you really are in. Go through this list and say, am I living in idolatry? Am I sexually immoral? Am I a complainer? And you take the checklist and you look and you say, well, what is idolatry? And the receptionist says, idolatry is where you put something as being more important than God in your life. And you say, well, give me an example. And they say, well, Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money or mammon. You'll love one and hate the other or love the other and despise the other. Do you have does God have the right to say to you, this is what you should do with your money? And you say, gee, are you, saying, are you saying that I need to give my money to be saved? No, no, you get saved by taking the medicine from the doctor, but if you're taking the medicine, this disease called idolatry will be getting better and better in your life. <laughs> and you say, well, every now and again I'm a bit greedy, and the receptionist says, no, no, that's not the problem. It's, are you living in an ongoing sick lifestyle? If you're getting better, it means you're taking the medicine. But if there's no improvement, if you still have an idol of money or whatever it is in your life, there's a problem there. You may not be taking the medicine. You say, okay, thank you. What's the next one? Sexual immorality. What's this? You mean that I can't have lustful thoughts and I, I can't do this. No, no, it says if you're living an ongoing life of this disease called sexual immorality, you say, well, what is that? And the Bible says it's any sexual activity outside a husband and wife relationship. Any. You say, well, every now and again, I, I'm, I've messed up twice in my life. He says, no, no, it's an ongoing disease. Is the disease getting better? You say, well... I'm actually living with this person who I'm not married to and we're not planning to get married. Uh, is that a problem? She says, yes, that disease is not getting better. And then the third one is complaining. 
and you say, no, you, you must be mistaken, receptionist. You can't be honest. You can't be really saying that if I'm grumbling and complaining that I'm, I've got a disease. And funnily enough, this is the one that the Israelites fell down on the most. Every single one of these examples in this passage is talking about a time when the Israelites murmured, grumbled, and complained. Either against God, or against Moses, or against the leadership in some way. They just had a murmuring, grumbling, complaining attitude. You say, well, does that mean I can't be unhappy with decisions that leaders make? Yes, you can. But do you have a disease that is not getting better where you murmur and you grumble against leaders and against God? Is it getting better? You say, yes, it's getting better. Wonderful, you're taking the medicine. But if it's not getting better, if you're a person who you just continually talk against those in authority, then there's a problem. Let me be clear. I'm not saying we get saved by being sexually pure or by being non-grumblers or by being generous with money. I'm not saying that. We get saved by relationship with Jesus, by the, the doctor giving us medicine. But there's a test that I can apply to myself to say, am I really saved? So this is a hard word. I'm going to ask us to, to just search our hearts and be honest with ourselves and with the Lord. Lord, you are good. We worship you today. We love you, Lord. Yes. We give you thanks and praise. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you sacrificed your life, that you came from heaven to earth, lived among us, and gave your life to save us, to give us freedom, forgiveness, mercy, a brand new start. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you. Thank you that your blood is poured out and is powerful and effective and it's still powerful today as much as it was 2,000 years ago to wash us clean, to forgive us completely, to give us power and grace and life to live for you. Father, please help us never to fall into the two traps of being secure and happy in our promised land and not reaching out to others or thinking we're in the promised land and actually we don't have that relationship with you. Jesus, help us, I pray. I pray for each of us in this room, Lord. God, I don't want any of us to miss out on the promised land. I don't want any single person to miss out. And I pray for each one right now, Holy Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, I pray your word would just cut right down and help us to be honest with you and with ourselves say am i where am i where am i who am i in this in this picture friend the great news is god says if anyone calls on the name of the lord that means cry out say god i need you he will be saved god will hear you and save you Cry out to him today. Say, God, forgive me. God, I've been so self-satisfied in my own 
salvation that I've forgotten about the lost. Or God, I've been going through the motions in the crowd of Christians, but I haven't allowed your medicine to change me. And I want to come and take control, take lordship, control, sit on the throne of my life. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.